Welcome to the Intentional Encourager podcast, where each episode brings you compelling conversations and stories designed to entertain, enlighten, and encourage. And now here's your host, Brian Sexton. Hey everybody, Brian Sexton. You know what's really important to me when I do business with a company is trust and transparency. I've been telling you now for a good while about my buddy Damon Burton and his company, SEO National, because trust and transparency are just as important to them. You know, for the last 15 years in the search engine optimization space, they have been leading the way and serving people tremendously well. Now, for those of you that don't know what SEO is, it stands for search engine optimization. It helps you show up higher on Google searches so that folks that are looking for what you have find you quicker. And you know what's really encouraging? More revenue, more sales, growing your business. Do me a favor, get in touch with Damon and his team today at SEO National at 855-736-6285 or go to seonational.com and get your free quote and tell him you heard it on the Intentional Encourager podcast. I hope you're ready because here comes a dynamite conversation on the Intentional Encourager podcast. And welcome into a special edition of the Intentional Encourager podcast. I'm your host, Brian Sexton. Thank you for joining us again today. You know what? I had to dress up a little bit for these guys because when you get the caliber of talent in the room that we've got here, and if you're watching on YouTube, love both these guys dearly. They've been guests on the Intentional Encourager podcast. We wanted to have them back. I've been wanting to do this for a while. Graciously, both of these guys consented. Marcus Chan and Jason Cutter joined me. You guys see them all over LinkedIn. If you're not connected to them, go to LinkedIn, connect with Marcus Chan, C-H-A-N, and Jason Cutter, C-U-T-T-E-R. But right here, right now, you can find these dynamic men on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Guys, what's good? How are we doing? What's going on? Excited to be here. I'm excited to chat with you guys in more detail, so I feel honored. Yeah, yeah Marcus. This is a... It, this is a blast for me, especially because I've been on your show, Brian. Marcus and I have uh, lurked around each other on LinkedIn, but uh, it's our first time chatting. So, Well, you guys both are really impacting people. Let's, so let's go here. Jason, we were talking before we started recording. I'll start with you. We'll go to Marcus and, 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 and back and forth. But I want to start here with you. You made a big move recently. You have been a <laughs> part. You, and I was watching something the other day. I was watching something about the exodus that, that people are making from 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 places to places. And yeah. we'll get into the encouragement of freedom because both of you guys are really intentional about freedom, especially in the sales profession, about giving people more freedom to to do, be, and, and have some things that they don't have. So Jason, I'll start with you. And Marcus, I'll bounce that question back to you. Take me through the process of deciding to move from one coast to the <laughs> other and kind of what went into that. Yeah, so I uh, grew up in California in the Bay Area, uh, went to college UC Santa Cruz, moved to Seattle, lived in the Seattle area for nine years, back to California to the Bay Area again for three, four years, then back, back to Eastern Washington, then back to California and was in uh, Napa, Sonoma area for about five years. Um, only lived on the West Coast, have visited very few states outside of there. Uh, and when I turned 45, uh, about a year and a half ago, it felt like halftime for me. I literally had this feeling, epiphany, inspiration, call it whatever you want, where I was like, 
this feels like halftime. I'm looking at the scoreboard, depending on what you count. I'm winning in some areas. I'm losing in others. But it's halftime. I've learned a lot, right? Kind of like you go in for halftime. You get a good, you know, conversation, coaching session and lecture out of it. Um, look at where I did well, what I learned, you know. Um, and I was like, all right, let's go. It's second half, next 45 years. Let's go. Like, now it's beginning, right? Um, and I just had this itch, like, where else in the world? There's so many other places to live and explore and try. Yeah. Um, and then I had a friend who uh, is from Boston, house in Florida, and said, anytime you want, you can have the house, you can stay. Uh, and then last May, so May of 2021, because um, as a consultant, I can work anywhere. It's all virtual or I'm traveling to companies and conferences anyway. Uh, I literally put my car on a transport truck, took two check bags and an Uber to the airport, took a one-way flight to Florida and decided to stay. I was going to stay for three months and here I am almost 10 months later. Man, that is so cool. Marcus, there is something that, that I'm drawing from when, when I had you on the podcast. The Jason talked about the power of halftime. And you having a background in athletics, I remember you telling your story about growing up and being an athletic kid and being a swimmer. Really, halftime doesn't apply to swimming, but the, the power of adjustment does. Piggyback off of what Jason was talking about, about how important it is for us to constantly be looking at those things in our lives and making the adjustments. Jason, I love how you beautifully took us there. Marcus, I want you to piggyback off of that thought. Yeah, absolutely. I think you know, I love Jason your story there, right? Of, of the halftime, the the epiphany, the aha, and the realization. But let's be real here. You probably moved to Florida for the tax benefits. But besides that point, besides no, that that's point, why I stayed. <laughs> I didn't move here for you that. Stayed. But that's you stayed for that, right? So, <laughs> yes. yes, that's awesome, right? So nobody's uh, moving to West Virginia for the tax benefit. Like, man, your your state is just yeah, your state yeah. is that depressed that we don't care uh, if it's free. We're not moving uh, there. So we get yeah. we get a lot of Californians in Oregon who go up. I'm like, it's, we still pay a lot of tax up here, but regardless, anyway. So I, I think one of the most important things that you can develop as a sales professional or as a professional is your ability to have massive self-awareness. And by being able to develop massive self-awareness, it means you must be able to pause and reflect and utilize what it's commonly known as the feedback loop. And, and the truth is when you apply to all aspects of your life, when you apply the feedback loop, you're able to make shifts for the better. And for those who are not familiar with the feedback loop, when you really pause to think, you, you say, okay, when I take action one, whatever action it is, the action will lead to some sort of result. When I get that result, I'm going to analyze the feedback. And do I like what happened? Is it good? Is it bad? And then I have a decision to make. Keep doing it or do something different and then take another action. And you keep going. But the reality is a lot of people, they don't take time to run the feedback loop. They don't take time to pause. This could be small actions or big actions. A small action might be, I ate, a, I ate a lot of pizza last night. I woke up today. I feel terrible and really bloated and full. Yeah. Uh, my, my, my next action, don't eat so much pizza. You know, Jason's was, hey, I'm, I'm living in California. It's a good life, but why not? Why not make a shift to maybe some, somewhere better? Also good weather, maybe some tax benefits, different scenery. I can do it. And he made that switch. And the feedback, he's loving it. He's staying there. There's more benefits. So I think as a professional, one of the most important things you can do is actually build time in to reflect on your life. So for me personally, one of the most important things that I do every single day is, number one, at the end of each day, I actually reflect on my day 
and I look at what were three things I did really well that are helping me drive towards, you know, my monthly goals. Yeah. And what's the one yeah. thing I can improve? So a very tight feedback loop. So and this helps me uh, analyze very quickly and make adjustments. And then in the morning, I'll actually re-review my one, three, and five-year goals that I have in place. By forcing this into my routine, this causes me to pause and reflect and make different decisions. Because ultimately, our destiny is formed decisions we make. But we can only change our decisions if we're fully aware of where we stand and where we want to go. So that power of reflection and pausing is one of the greatest gifts you can give yourself and your family. Man, I love that. Because here's the thing, Jason, I was thinking back to when you told your story on the podcast. You kind of had that moment of reflection <laughs> for you because the way you grew up, you were not really sales wired. You were you were different, very differently wired. But but you had that moment of reflection. I, and I remember in our conversation, it was pretty powerful. Like, man, I, I know the moment that my switch flipped for me. And Marcus, I loved how you just took us there with reflection. Jason, when you think about reflection and you think about the impact it's had on you, how do you transmit that to others? How can we encourage people intentionally to reflect intentionally? Because, you know, some people might say, okay, what does reflection look like? You know, if I, I might say to Marcus, I might say, Marcus, that's great. But what does reflection look like for me? But Jason, you've lived that that really a couple of times. You've lived that power yeah. of reflection. How do you encourage that not only in yourself but in others? Um, I think the big thing, and this is what I put in the book and, and why I titled it, you know, Authentic Persuasion, is the authenticity, authenticity piece is first and vital and nothing else matters. Right. And I love what Marcus was just talking about. In fact, I was writing notes about the end of the day. I was like, oh, that's that's really good. I like that format. I'm always wanting, you know, to try something different with an end of day morning routine. Um, the biggest thing is to help people understand, encourage them to figure out that self-awareness piece is understanding who you are, what makes you tick, what are your strengths and what are your weaknesses or things you could improve or not improve uh, because you don't have to um, but that makes you tick right and really helping people avoid the comparison mindset especially in sales especially in business especially with goals which is oh well i'm not like that person so i can't do x right like i'm not like marcus so i'm not going to be able to do that that's that's not me but you've got to get comfortable with that confident with yourself and then have that self-awareness piece so that you can be authentic um and then for me i'm a huge journal person as well uh in fact the biggest thing that i have I won't hold it up, but I have a remarkable tablet. If anyone has ever seen one of those, yeah. and it's basically this handwriting tablet, and I use that all the time, uh, morning, end of the day, uh, monthly, uh, quarterly, annually, taking time to reflect, um, and any time where I'm feeling off just about journaling. And I think that's the key, especially if we're talking about something like sales and business where it can be tough mentally, is just understanding who you are and playing your game and reflecting on that, um, I think is, is so important. Marcus, I'm thinking about, and again, I'm reflecting back to our conversation where Jason was talking about. And, and it's incredible what you guys are saying that's just connective tissue, that's just right there. And Marcus, I remember you telling me 
about working in the Speedo store oh, yeah. and connecting <laughs> with the people that came in there. To Jason's point, doing it authentically because, one, you were a swimmer yourself. And two, you were saying, and I remember this part of our conversation really struck me. You were saying, Brian, what I did was I talked to these people about the things that they weren't coming into my store for. I was talking to them about, hey, yeah, the you, you, the the cool gear is cool, but it's not going to be the gear that makes you that makes you faster in the pool. It's not going to be the gear that makes you better in the pool. You can buy the cool goggles, but man, you really it's overkill. Here's here's where we, you need to go. And I think what really struck me then is what's striking me now to piggyback off of what Jason just said is the authenticity of the way you sold. And using that to just continue to build in your career, when you look back at that time in that Marcus, if you could walk into that store and, and look at that kid, how authentic do you think he was selling as opposed to how authentic you are now when you're training and coaching and leading salespeople and really speaking to them about their own personal authenticity? Great question. And I think what's interesting is you know, at the time when I was out there slinging speedos and gear, I never saw myself as a salesperson. That's just not how I saw it. And as I evolved through time, I've never really viewed myself as a salesperson. I view myself as more of a servant. And when I realized later on in life, I realized in order to master selling, you truly are serving at the highest possible level. And when I reflect back into that that time, you know, mini Marcus Chan, 19 years old in a swimsuit <laughs> store, I didn't get paid commission. I didn't get paid any more money for how much I sold. I simply wanted to help. And I needed in order to help them, I had to give them the best solution for their problem. It wasn't giving them the most expensive product for to solve a symptom of being cool. It was to ensure the core issue they came in with, what's really underneath the surface, I gave them a solution that was going to solve that. And when you really start thinking about selling this way, you build your whole sales process around it. And when you really break it down, regardless of whatever sales process you look at, the best ones are always question-based. And when you are just asking the right questions up front, so then you're able to properly serve them, whether you need qualify or disqualify them. So when I, as I reflect back in that time, I've just seen that's how I've been most effective. In any role where I had to sell anything, I've just spent more time focusing on the other person. It's customer-centric and only providing a solution if I believe I can truly help them. And when we think that way, we remove a lot of the ickiness and sleaziness that comes from this stereotypical kind of gross rep. And now you become someone of value who is authentic, who is there to serve. And your prospects can feel it. They can feel when you are speaking from the heart, when you're speaking from the soul versus you're just chasing that commission. Hey everybody, Brian Sexton here. The new year is upon us and you may be sitting there thinking, hey, I would really love to pay off some debt or I would like to save for that dream vacation. Maybe you want to buy a new car. Whatever it is you want to do, financially in the coming year. Let me give you a great piece of intentional encouragement and something to think about that might help you do it. 
products for profit. Now, this is a course taught by my good friend, Joe Hart, who's been a guest on the Intentional Encourager podcast and has told his story how reselling changed his life. And you know what, folks? It could do the same thing for you, too. It's really simple. Reselling is basically buying a product and then reselling it online for more money. And Joe is going to take you through the steps and show you how to do this either part-time or maybe as some of his students have done, take this full-time as well. Go to coachjoe89.gumroad.com backslash L backslash premium PFP. And oh, by the way, this group is going to help you find leads of products that are profitable right now, give you all kinds of great intentional encouragement, and you're going to be surrounded by a community of people that are going to want to see you be successful in the reselling game. Again, go to coachjoe89.gumroad.com backslash L backslash premium PFP and tell him you heard about it on the Intentional Encourager podcast. And now let's get back to more great conversation here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Yeah, and I love that. And Marcus, here's the thing, and, and Jason, I love this. I love this part of the conversation because... I can see you being in that store. I'm putting myself kind of in that moment. I think the the thing that we've done in sales over the years, and I say we because I've I've got a, a a long background in sales myself. A lot of times, what we've done in sales, and what entrepreneurs do, or anybody that's customer facing, is that we have looked at that and we have we have had the forward conversation with the customer instead of the side-by-side -side conversation with the customer. Instead of, instead of talking, you know, when, when we're face-to-face -face across the table from each other, it feels more like I'm talking at you than talking with you. If I'm sitting next to you, arm-in-arm -arm with you, that's a more bonded piece. And, and Jason, I really think it speaks, and Marcus, that's why I was saying what, what drew me to that. I could see you have that kind of personality well, you're an arm-in-arm -arm salesperson. You like walking with the people you're helping. You like walking with the people you're coaching, walking with people you're leading. Jason, how does that conversation trigger in the mind of a customer? Of And eye contact is huge with me. It's, it's everything to me. I, I taught my son from an early age. He's 21 now. When I talk to you and you talk to me, make eye contact. And, I, and I'll bounce off here for just a minute, and Jason, I'll ask you the question. But when my son Bryce went to Duke's basketball camp one year, he's a big Duke basketball fan, he went to Duke's camp, and the first thing Coach K told those kids was, Mike Krzyzewski, the legendary Hall of Fame coach, he told those kids, he says, when a coach talks to you, you will make eye contact. He said the expectation, he said, I don't care if I'm talking to LeBron James or now the late Kobe Bryant, or anybody that he coached on the Olympic team, or any of his Duke players, the, the expectation is eye contact. But a lot of times when we're making eye contact, it's across the table from each other instead of side by side. Jason, how can conversation change authentically when we're walking side by side with that customer and talking to them from a side by side as opposed to a face to face? I hope I'm asking that question right. You you are, and it's great. And hopefully you didn't have Marcus and I on for any kind of debate or disagreement on anything. Because literally <laughs> as he's talking, I'm making notes and thinking, like, yes, yes. No, yes, it, this yes, is, yes. <laughs> you guys are two of the most authentic uh, people I know. So this was, I, I knew this was going to be great conversation. Yeah. So kind of continuing what Marcus started there and kind of 
uh, you know, lit the fuse for. I completely agree. I think sales is service. When it's being done, it's in service of somebody else. Um, the classic model for sales is, is something I'm doing to you for my benefit, right? It's the gross stuff. It's all the things that people, we don't even like as customers, yet it still keeps happening. It, in my opinion, sales is something you're doing for somebody and with them, which is kind of that side-by-side -side you're, you're talking about. For me, and I've built many sales processes, trained lots of people, my language is very inclusive. It's very a we and an us, because the way that I see it is when I'm talking to anybody, and I've done B2C sales where I'm helping someone who's in foreclosure avoid the sheriff coming at 10 a.m. to kick them out of their house to clients I have now that are in B2B SaaS, commercial deck. Like uh, I've just seen a whole bunch, right? Like all of us probably have. Um, but it's, I always view it as it's me and that prospective customer, the client to be versus the world, versus their challenge, versus their problem, versus the, the enemy, the, the bad guy that's out there. Right. Um, and it's all about we, and it's all about us. It's all about, okay, so how are we going to get you approved? How are, how are we going to do this? Right. I'm here to help you. One of the biggest things I've been talking about, and it's not a new concept uh, out there in the world, but in the past year, I've really been shifting people to realize that a lot of people in sales are fundamentally doing it wrong because here's the problem is as humans, we all see ourselves as the center of the universe. We are the center of everything. We are the hero of the story. When, we, when, when I go to the grocery store, I, I'm thinking about me and I'm wondering if everyone's thinking about me because it's all about me, right? Like when I'm driving down the road and we're all like that, we're all human beings. That's part of our, our human nature. Um, the challenge is, is that when people get into a sales role, they can't stop that. And their company says, what we sell is amazing. We're heroes to the world. And the salesperson then plays the hero role. The problem is, is your prospective customers think they're the hero of their own story. And there can't be two heroes, right? If we look at any hero journey movies, there's one hero, there's Luke. Then there's another guy who thinks he's a hero, which is the sidekick. And then there's another guy who thinks he's a hero, uh, and may or may not be right, and that's Darth Vader, right? That's the, the enemy. That's the bad guy. If you think you're the hero from a sales perspective, there to save the magical day, right? Because it's all about you and whatever Kool-Aid you drank about your company, the other person is going to see you as the enemy. And so you have to be the guide, the Obi-Wan, the, the Yoda, which is I'm here with you. I know the safe way up the mountain. I know how to get you across the finish line, arm in arm. I've done it before. I'm going to do it with you. Let's go. Yeah. You make them the hero. You have, you have the wisdom, which is what they need in this day and age. And then it's all about us. And, and I'm thinking, Jason, that was, that was brilliant. And I'm thinking about this scene in, in the office where they're playing this game. So it's Michael, Dwight, and Pam, and they're playing this game. And, it, and it's an outro scene. So the, the episode's over. And, and the three of them have gotten so involved in this game, they're pointing fake guns at each other in this game. <laughs> yeah. they, they play this. Yeah. Michael comes up with this Southern game. It's like a Southern version of Clue. Yeah. And they're all standing there next to pointing guns at each other. And, and I thought about that when you were talking about that because as salespeople, our, our sales leaders and managers have ingrained in us, to your point, that we're the hero our competitors are the bad guys 
and it's our responsibility to take them out. And there the customer is standing with their own invisible guns pointed as well, going, I don't like either one of you because you're both playing dirty here. And I like you both as people. I like your companies individually for different reasons, but I don't like you both right now because you're making me choose instead of helping lead me to a choice. Marcus, that fits perfectly with, with and Jason just beautifully teed us up there. I remember very well in your experience, you have always been about helping people get to the choice. And Jason, man, way to tee that up because it's, it's, it's ultimately about helping that customer get to the choice. What keeps salespeople, what keeps entrepreneurs and leaders from authentically helping people get to the right choice or getting to a choice either way? Yeah, I'll say their ego. Majority of time, it's their ego. And, you know, the old school way of selling, and this, this may have worked maybe in the 70s and 80s where the salesperson, the entrepreneur, the business owner, they held all the information. They had all the information, so they had authority. They had something that prospect needed, which is information, intel to make the best decision. In today's world, they can Google you and your business and your solutions, and they have all the details. So that no longer applies. But the mistake some salespeople still make today or you know, entrepreneurs, business owners is they feel like once they're on a sales call, they're going to start hammering them. And just like, you know, with you know features and features and features and all these things they can do. And that doesn't feel good for the prospect. It doesn't feel good for really anybody. And they feel like they have to have this authority over that person. So that ego is going to hold them back from being able to ask the right questions, to be open to learning, to see their perspective, to really guide the conversation. And the way I really think about it, it's as if you went to the doctor. If you go to the doctor, they're not going to just sit you down. They're not going to ask you one question and say, all right, after one question, since you told me, you know, you're feeling funny, you need to have this surgery, take this prescription, take that medication. You'd be like, but what are you doing? You're very resistant. But when you really think about it, when you go to the doctor's office, all it is, is it's a, it's a sequence of trust-based exercises to gather the right information to best serve you. So you sit down in the, in the lobby, they give you a questionnaire to fill out, even though you filled out a million times, they make you fill out again. Then you go see the nurse. Again, they just ask you more questions. They don't tell you anything. You try to tell the nurse anything. They're like, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm just gathering until they're taking your measurements. Then you go see the doctor. They ask maybe even the same questions. Again, they're just really understanding what's the core issues. And when they, when they spend all that time, their whole process is like 89% questions-based. Once they feel really good, they can help you. Then they make a recommendation. Either they're going to help you with a prescription or something else, a different solution, or potentially a referral to somebody else because they're going to disqualify you. But they're spending time putting their ego aside, even though they have the credentials, they have the expertise. Yeah. They're putting ego aside because they know the best thing to do is to take care of the patient with exactly what they need to solve the overall issue. I love what you said there, Marcus, about the, the the importance of asking questions, especially when you feel like that the person that you're conversing with has an authoritarian role, right? Mm -hmm. So you were talking about the, the, the provider, the doctor. 
-hmm. you know, they have the credentials, they have the knowledge, they have the expertise. They're in, in that role. They're kind of in the, the authority position. It's like, okay, well, I don't know what's wrong with me, but they know what's wrong with me. But if that dot, but when, when we face that and, 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 and I love the way you brought that in because that's the way it was when I started selling, it's like, okay, we're going to train you, you know, do this, this. I remember one time I had a sales manager. I went from a company to another company. And one of the first things when, when I took over a territory that my boss did, he's like, okay, we're going to watch these videotapes from like 1979. <laughs> you know, we're going to watch these. And it was 1997. So they were already dated then. I mean, there was good information, but you know, the guy showed up, he had the three piece suit, you know, the, 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 the three piece polyester suit and was talking about, okay, you know, we're going to use this acronym, create, we're going to, you know, we're going to roll through these, like 25 years later, I could still regurgitate that stuff, <laughs> like create confidence, revitalize the mind, events logically, that's good business to do business with you, arouse urgency, trigger desire, effect closure. See, I could, I could still, <laughs> I, I could still, re, I still can, re, I can regurgitate it, but there's a difference between application and regurgitation. So Jason, I want to bounce that to you. How do we get authoritarians to become more authentic instead of sticking in their authoritarianism? Because I don't believe people want to buy authority anymore. I, I believe to your point, they want to buy authenticity. How do we flip the mindset from being an authoritarian to being an authentic person? Um, so first off, before we go there, I love everything that you just said, Marcus. I use the doctor medical example example all the time. Um, and I even have a chapter in my book about sales malpractice. This is what I learned early on in sales is that prescription before diagnosis is malpractice, right? And so in sales, it's that same thing. So many salespeople are just like, here's the prescription. You have a pulse, you need my CRM software. It's like, no, take it, no, take no, it, take no. it. Like, take, yeah. And, and, it, and even though we're the 18th CRM out there, like this is amazing. And my company says it's amazing. And here's all the facts and figures. Um, but it's not the case, right? And that's technically sales malpractice um we, we could go on about all of that well jason uh, which, let me jump in there and interrupt because yeah. you know a lot of entrepreneurs are guilty of doing that as well it's not you yeah. know we're not going to throw the we're not going to throw the salespeople under the bus and if you're an entrepreneur listening to this same a lot of times yeah you run ads saying you know nobody beats our prices or nobody you know we're better than the competition and what we're really saying is we don't really know what you need. We just know that we perceive ourselves to be better at this than everybody else. And I love what you said there. Go go a little deeper on the prescription before diagnosis. I love that, man. That is so good. Yeah. And, and when you're talking about entrepreneurs and any salespeople, I mean, everyone thinks that their baby is the cutest, right? And so the challenge is, is that they sell from that perspective. They push from that perspective. They think everyone wants it, especially entrepreneurs, founders, people who created something. They're so in love with it that they think it's the best thing for the whole world. And they gotta be careful when they sell from that side. Uh, I think when we talk about the sales mal malpractice and prescription before diagnosis, which is malpractice in the medical field, one of the biggest difference, and this is to Marcus's point, which I love that he brought up, the big difference is that medical professional took an oath, the Hippocratic oath, which at its fundamental says, I will not cause undue harm. They go to a lot of school, 
they take a really hard test, they're regulated, they have ethics, there's a penalty if they do something wrong, it's called malpractice, they could lose their license, all kinds of things in that, medical, that, that profession. Attorneys have that kind of profession, even plumbers, electricians, contractors, like if they screw something up, they're held liable and they have to take tests. Sales show up. Literally, when I started sales in 2002 <laughs> yeah. as a mortgage professional, helping people get into the biggest debt of their life, I'm 27, 26 years old. I was time, 22 renting. when I got my first sales job. So, yeah, I, Not I, even, yeah. I, I didn't even have I wasn't even owning a house uh, at the time. And in Washington state, you did not have to be licensed to do mortgages at the time. So I show up and instantly take phone calls. My training was when that rings, fill out this questionnaire and then come get an adult and then they will do everything else. Kind of like boiler room, right? Just yell Rocco and then that's it. And, and literally I'm now helping people get into debt. No training, no licensing. I screwed up some deals in the beginning, which affected people's homes and their mortgage. Like it was terrible. Um, but that's the problem with sales. Kind of like There's the no first time your parents gave you the keys to the car. Like, please, God, don't don't wreck it. You know, we need this. Please we don't. need the transportation. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, that's the problem with sales is that there is no governing body. There's no entrance exam. There's no ramifications really for doing things bad or wrong to harm the consumers, right? I think that's what the three of us and so many others are up against and why we're trying to change it, which is how do we change the way sales is done so that consumers are looking forward to interacting with a sales professional in the same way I'm hurting. I'm going to the doctor, please doctor. Like I'll do all of your tests. You want me to stand on one leg and hop around? If that's going to help you figure it out and help me, I will do it. Um, but in sales, it's, it, yeah, like we've talked about. Hey, Marcus, I, I, piggybacking to you on that, okay, I'm picturing myself, you know, Jason was talking about mortgages and things like that. You talk a lot about your upbringing and the way you were taught. Remember you telling me, I, I think your dad owned a restaurant, if, I, did. if, I did, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. So your dad was like, do this this way, do this that way, do this something else. You go and work in a, in, a, in a swim gear shop where, again, you, you, you have to know a little bit about what you're talking about. And to Jason's point, a lot of times we just say, well, this person seems like they'd be good at sales. This person seems like, you know, and, and that was the way it was when I, when I got in, into sales in 1995, 27 years ago. What you what you had to have was, okay, this person looks like they'd be good at sales, so therefore they must be good at sales. Talk about and piggyback about the process of continuing education and really getting into learning your craft, honing your craft. Because, Jason, that was beautiful how you led us there. I never really thought about all the the, the licensing and the credentialing that people in other professions have to do. And most of the time, salespeople are just handed a training manual and go, here you go. You've got what it takes to sell because with your personality and our training manual, you're going to have everything you need to sell. And it's not the case. Marcus, talk about what the, 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 the constantly working on your craft. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, <clears throat> I'll kind of piggyback into some of my background as well. You know, I think one of the things is, um, you know, I, I grew up with a mindset of never give up, figure it out, right? There's like, there's no giving up, no matter how hard it is you, you figure it 
out regardless of the circumstances they don't determine you know where you go but only where you start so when i first got started in sales one of the greatest gifts that was given to me was no training <laughs> so i jumped in my first bb sales role no training no real support my boss had never done the job before and he said good luck now i think in general majority of reps and this is back in the time this was 2007 this is before people really use youtube there wasn't linkedin was still a recruiting site there wasn't really a lot of sales resources around today's time people can kind of kind of figure out some stuff and get a little bit of guidance back then it was like all right let me just kind of figure it out so i remember because of me struggling and not knowing what to do i didn't just give up now, part of it was because I was afraid to get fired and the economy started to tank. So I was very worried about finding a job. That was part of the issue, right? Um, but I'm like, I, I also just can't give up. That's not something that I do. Like, I grew up doing whatever it takes to have success. So at that time, you know, I remember I started to go and I started to consume as many books as possible. You know, Zig Ziglar, Ogmandino, Brian Tracy, whatever book I can get at the Beaverton Library, I would go and consume all the books. And as I started consuming these books, what I didn't realize until a little bit later on, what we fill our minds with and people we surround ourselves today is who we become in the future. And I, as I started to read these books and I started realizing I was filling my mind with better things now. And I was asking myself better questions. And I was starting to get rid of some of those, what I call ants, automatic negative thoughts, which are when you have one bad thought come in your head, another bad one falls. And before you know it, you have an infestation in your brain of neg negativity. And you're like, crap, I should quit sales. I need to go to marketing and do something else. So I started realizing these things and when I was reading these books, I started realizing I need to invest into myself to become a better version of myself. So I started to go to conferences like Tony Robbins, whatever. Even if I didn't have the money, I found a way to get the money to do it because I knew the greatest investment is always in ourselves. So any additional cash I started having coming in, I started investing in myself, just my own development in any area I want to improve on. I started doing that very intentionally. And over time, you don't, you, and you don't always, especially when you're new, like you don't really see it immediately. But over time, I started realizing after a few years, I just thought differently than most people. I dealt with problems differently. I dealt with sales situations differently. Not because I was any better. I had just simply learned how to reprogram my mind. And over time, it's, it's only compounded, right? Over and over and over. Because each year, the more I mess with myself, it, it, it gives me an insane ROI every single year. And it gets to the point where you start realizing this is the best investment ever. Yeah. And even, even to this day, I still invest very heavily. Like in 2021, I invested over $100,000 in coaches and masterminds for myself. And I've already returned an insane ROI this year because of that. And I share that specifically is because at the end of the day, if you want to become a better version of yourself, if you want to achieve more, you have to become more. And if you want to become more, you have to install the right beliefs, mindset, and habits of those who achieve more than you. And if your circle around you are people who are just average, you become average as well. So, you know, as, as Jim Rohn has said, when you work hard at your job, you make a living. When you work hard on yourself, you make a fortune. So for anyone out there who's listening, 
this is the one thing I always highly recommend. And I'm not saying invest in sales coaching, invest in the areas that will give you the greatest ROI for your future. Hey everybody, Brian Sexton. Have you ever wanted to live a bucket list life? Or if you're a business owner, have you ever wanted to incentivize your team in unbelievable ways? I have got just the thing for you. You need to contact my friend, Brad Norwood, with Dream It Pro Professional Events. Brad's been a guest here on the Intentional Encourager podcast, and I can tell you he has helped numerous companies achieve unbelievable things through experience travel. Experiences are what people want. They want to know how they can live incredible bucket list lives as well, too. And Brad can help you with both of those things. I can't give you any better encouragement than to give Brad and his team a call right now at 479-466-6907 or go to www.dreamitpro.com. And when you get there, click on events and you are going to see some unbelievable once-in-a-lifetime experiences. And I promise you this, unlike plaques, awards, trophies, things like that, experiences, and trips like these don't burn up in a fire. Again, go to www.dreamitpro.com today. And now let's get back to more great conversation here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Well, here's the thing. And what I was thinking about when you were talking about that, Marcus, was, you know, Golf is the one sport that you can take someone of any athletic ability and and with with hard work and repetitive activities, you can probably make them into a really, really good player. You know, you don't have to be 6'8 and jump out of the gym or be able to throw a baseball 100 miles an hour or be a, be a, a guy like Joe Burrow who's just, you know, just scary, smart, accurate, a guy like that. A golfer, I can show up. This other guy can show up. I'm 6'3", about 280. I'm built like a tight end or pushing the left tackle. And and this other guy's 5'5", 130 pounds, and he can hit the ball farther than I can because of the work and everything he's put into it. And Jason, that reminded me what always struck me about your story. I remember you telling me this when you were on a, on my podcast or on this podcast. You were a marine. You were going for marine biology, and then just was like all of a sudden, like I'm going to go in. I'm going to move into sales. And 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 I think to myself, the dedication that you had to put in and the work you had to put in to flip that script of your mind, because I grew up around salespeople. So when I flipped from journalism to marketing about halfway through my college career, I was surrounded by people that had already done it. So for me, it was kind of like a natural progression because I had seen people around me do it. I can't imagine what it took for you to flip and go 180 degrees and especially you were talking about going into the mortgage business. And I remember you you were so beautifully telling me that story. And I'm frantically writing notes and things like <laughs> that because I'm going, how in the world does this happen like that? 
How hard was it for you to flip that mindset around honing the craft that you came from to go into? So some corrections on that story. Yeah, forgive me. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to no, go no, no. back a, a, a long ways there. <laughs> no, you're good. So the, the main correction is I didn't make that flip and choose sales intentionally. Not that I'm a victim, but I didn't choose sales intentionally. Okay, that's um, even better. Forgive me. That's even better <laughs> yeah. because, you know, it, it goes back to what we were talking about a few minutes ago. Mm -hmm. And forgive me for jumping in there. But again, it's that old school mentality of, hey, Jason, you're a good looking guy, man, you got a great personality. You're just going to be a dynamite salesperson. Mm -hmm. That's the that was the old school 70s yeah. and 80s authoritarian mentality of, hey, man, we'll t we give you this training manual and you're going to kill it and you're going to make all this money. Um, so, yeah, forgive me. I, it just that that just go ahead with your your thought there. Yeah. So it was more like what Marcus was talking about, where I have I mean, I know and have embraced the sales title and the sales profession, um, but I don't feel like I'm in sales. I didn't feel like I was in sales in that uh, when I went into the mortgage business. Again, it was order taking. It was 2002, right? Everybody wanted to buy. I was in Seattle. The real estate boom was starting and it was going nuts. And literally it was just so it was easy. Like literally it, it, it wasn't difficult. You didn't have to convince people to go out and buy a house. Like that it's, it's crazy. Um, but it, it was a big switch in, in life because I did go to school for marine biology, went to UC Santa Cruz. Uh, I tagged sharks for years during school and after school. And the punchline I talk about on podcasts and speaking now is at one point I was 19 years old on a 21-foot boat. We were surrounded by three 18-foot great white sharks. My job was to keep them from eating the dead chunk of meat that was hanging off the boat. And that was still a safer, smarter career choice than dealing with humans. That is the punchline epitome of my childhood. Banker mom that was in finance and moved yeah. her way up. Engineer dad who moved his way up. Mom hated um, salespeople. I was a shy, awkward, late blooming only child that was picked on uh, and never fit in. I chose sharks instead of people. Couldn't get a job for $8 an hour scrubbing boats, even with the experience, even with tagging sharks. Like literally couldn't get a job in any way without a master's. And I was like, I'm not feeling it. I don't know what I want to do. Uh, ended up at Microsoft for a couple years doing tech support. Then they moved all our jobs offshore for the first time in 2002. Kind of was like, now what? Fell into that, fought it, ran away from sales a few times. Like, nope, I'm not going to do this. Kept coming back. Um, but again, it's because it felt like service and because I always sell from a place of hating salespeople as a kid and a banker mom and not liking that pressure myself, but liking the service side that I still don't think of it as sales. I know it's sales. I call it sales. I have it in my LinkedIn bio. Like I wrote a sales book, but like it, I, I struggle with the, the calling it sales because of what people think, which is sales is a dirty word. Man. I love that. Marcus last, last question. And, and man, this is so good. We could go for two hours, but I want to be <laughs> respectful of both of your times and, and the audience's time. How do we take the negative connotation? Jason, you hit it. So, so beautifully you know sales has has always been a dirty word and it's always been a and marcus you said it earlier removing the ickiness right removing the the stigmatism so what's your biggest piece let me let me save that because I, I i'm going to ask one more question and we'll 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 wrap up the episode but 
Marcus, how do we get away from the stigma of selling being a dirty job like Jason was just talking about? You know, because there were some people like, hey, man, I'd rather tag sharks than sell. How do we how do we move past that and move forward with sales being service led, service driven, having this, this, the heart of a true servant and moving past some of those stereotypes? Sure. And I think there's probably a couple of different ways. Right? I think number one, <clears throat> it would be amazing if the media portrayed salespeople as something awesome and an honorable. That would be the first piece, right? That's mass market, right? Yeah. But the second piece is obviously you and I can't control that unless you know you end up going to media. I'm not going to, I have no plans to go to media. But we ourselves as sales professionals and those listening out there who are sales professionals, it starts with us first. And it really starts with that self awareness and reflection. And a really, really simple way to do it, because a lot of times we just, we don't know what we don't know. One of the greatest things that you can do as a sales professional, if you want to shift that perspective and just see and understand how, how do you currently sell, is you listen to your own call recordings. You take your own call recordings and listen. And it could be very painful. It could be pleasantly horrifying as well to listen to them, but just listen. And put yourselves in the shoes of the person you were talking with. Are you talking with them? Or are you talking at them? What's that conversation look like? And when you start to realize it and you have some awareness around it, now you start shifting your process to treat them as you, they want to be treated. And when you yeah. start having that awareness, you make that shift. That's how we can start over time making that shift across the board. Because it's not going to be just one person. It's going to be all of us at the same time. And if you are a leader out there who, who's listening to this, do the same thing with your team as well. Because ultimately, as a leader, they're going to follow you. So you lead them down the promise line and show them and coach them and guide them. So this way we can make sales a better place to be. Well, Marcus, that's a great point. We're keeping the sales sharks at bay to what Jason was talking to us about a couple of minutes ago. It's all the sharks that want to get in the water and just just get in there to make as much money as they can. And I'm not against that. Neither one of it, neither of us, the three of us are against that. But a lot of times when people just enter the the water just to to be able to get what they can get and get out, get fed for that day, it makes everything a worse place. I mean, you know, what what attracts sharks is blood in the water, right? Fresh meat in the water. And, you know, again, we got to get away from that. We've got to learn to all swim together so that we can all eat together and, and, and get fed. So, man, I love that. That is so good. It just tied beautifully to what Jason was just talking about. Jason and then Marcus both share with with this audience, if, if, if a, a salesperson's listening, a, a leader, an entrepreneur, somebody like that, uh, you know, share with them your biggest piece of intentional encouragement. Jason, I'll start with you and then Marcus will bounce to you as well. Uh, let's see. So I think the biggest thing is is that self-awareness, is this the internal strengths and in, in who you are and the value. Um, and I think one of the biggest things is going back to that hero's journey type model where to be an encourager, to be successful is to 
be able to step back from feeling like you got to be the hero all the time and instead being the guide in general, right? We're not just talking about sales because everything in life is sales and persuasion and influence at some level, right? So a lot of times it's about doing that everywhere in your life or in more places um, where it's not all about you, right? Nobody likes that person they meet at the party and all they do is talk about themselves for the next 15 minutes. It's how do you be the guide, be interested, ask questions, be curious, uh, and then you will get so much more out of conversations and relationships. Yeah, Marcus, tag off of that and and, mm. and just share your biggest piece of intentional encouragement. Absolutely. I'm going I'm to do a little pivot here because I think um, the piece of intentional encouragement I want to give is going to be for all the salespeople out there where you're listening out there, you want to be positive, you want, you're like, yeah, that sounds really good. I want to do this. I'm going to try to implement all these things. I'm going to try to ask more questions. I'm going to try to listen to all my calls. That's a lot. It's going to be very hard to do. It's going to be very hard to sustain. So one piece of very simple intentional encouragement, just insert this one really, really simple exercise at the end of each day, right? Just, you, you, can, you can do it on a Google Doc. You can do it on a remarkable tablet. You can do it on a piece of paper. It does not matter, but every single day, just write down one win you had for the day. One win you had for the day, that's gonna make you feel good. This could be something small, it could be something big, it could be I serve my all my customers today, it could be I asked better questions today, it could be as simple as I had a, a plan to make 50 calls and I did that, great. Whatever's write that down, write down the one win. And then second, because naturally, you're going to want to go to the negatives of all things you did not do that day, and you might beat yourself up. Write down only one thing you're going to work on for tomorrow. That's it. One win, one improvement, and that's it. Have it, I call it a daily win journal. Do it every single day as a habit. It should take you no more than just a couple minutes. You do it consistently, and you'll build some really positive habits and momentum, and you'll see progress. And when you see progress, that's going to be the ultimate motivation to keep going. My win for the day is having this conversation with the two of you guys. That that's the win for the day. And and this has been so good. Um, Marcus, tell folks how they can connect with you. Jason, tell folks how they can connect with you. Um, because I, I, I'm telling you, when when people listen to this, there is so much you're gonna you're gonna want to hit re replay. Not because of me. I was just a, I'm just a facilitator. But because of the information these two guys shared, you're gonna want to hit replay. You're gonna want to download this. You're going to want to keep it somewhere where you can listen to it again and again. Marcus, tell folks where they can connect with you. And then Jason, tell folks where they can connect with you as well. Absolutely. So first off, Brian, Jason, absolute pleasure. Thanks so much for having me on the show today. So a couple of easy places to find me. Number one, head over to LinkedIn. Just look up Marcus Chan, C-H-A-N. It's the only guy with Speedos in the, in the headlines. So check that out. And then number two, head over to my website, which is sixfiguresalesacademy.com. SixFigureSalesCommit.com. You'll see there's some great free resources in there to help you sell more. Yeah, Jason, and tell folks where they can get to you as well. Uh, easiest one-stop place is JasonCutter.com, which is a hub for everything, podcast, books. Uh, I've been publishing some eBooks as well, which if people want to reach out to me, you can as well. Jason at CutterConsultingGroup.com. Happy to email you different things that I have. Uh, and then I also, kind of like Marcus, spend most of my time on LinkedIn. So when in doubt, you can uh, find me there. Uh, and also when in doubt, when in doubt, I am the number one ranked Jason Cutter on Google. So if you go there, I dominate the first uh, three or four pages. So. If you go to, I think if you go to Google and Google Brian Sexton, there's a guy up in New Jersey that's like the Michael Jordan of Irish dancing. 
<laughs> Remember the guys like the like the feet of flames. Oh yeah, yeah. This this dude's like the this dude's like the MJ of of. I mean, he's like the goat of of Irish dancing. So that that would not be me. That you would have the wrong Brian Sexton. So yeah, that's you <laughs> know careful. that. Well, no, I did that one time, Jason. Jason, I did that one time, and I was like, this dude, and I'm watching this video, man, and this dude is going off on the Irish dancing. I'm like, man. If I would try to pull that off, I would blow out an ACL just like in five <laughs> seconds. It, my AC, my that would be like it would be worse than what happened to Odell Beckham in the Super Bowl, where he just was kind of you know running a slant play. And, and I'm a Bengals fan. I didn't mind that a bit. <laughs> I didn't. I did, I was like, okay, Odell's gone. Oh, okay. Well, you know, good for us. I mean, I didn't want to see him get hurt, but I, I didn't mind when he didn't come back. So, yeah, you know. But because I've been on the receiving end of that, Jason, I'd been on the receiving that end of that the year before when when Joe Burrow dropped back to pass in Washington and got his knee rolled up on and they were carting him off the field. So I'd been on the receiving end of that that pain. So, you know, it was it was a little bit different. But yeah, I would not want an Irish dance. But man, what a listen. Don't let the last 30 seconds of my incoherent ramblings take away from a beautiful conversation with two absolute legends and guys I consider dear friends. Marcus Chan, Jason Cutter, thank you guys for joining me today on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Thanks so much. Thanks. My thanks as always to producer Bryce Sexton and technical advisor Matt Means. And of course, the ultimate thanks goes to the Lord Jesus Christ, who provides intentional encouragement every day through his word. If you're not subscribed to the Intentional Encourager podcast, hit the subscribe button wherever you get podcasts so you don't miss an exciting episode where you can get encouraged and stay encouraged. And remember, anyone, anywhere, at any time, any place can be an intentional encourager.